Yes, Father, we are looking forward to that day, that day, Lord, when we will fly away, that, Lord, we'll go to be with you forever. And what a day of rejoicing. What a wonderful day that will be. Father, we just pray that this morning, that as we come together, as we look to your word, that, Father, you would just remind us again of the joy of our salvation, that you would remind us again, Father, of the glorious home that awaits those of us that are in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father, for this time. We pray, Lau. Lord, that you would guide my thoughts and my words. Father, that you, through your Holy Spirit, would speak to each one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Let me just highlight a couple of the announcements that were made this morning. Next, or this coming Friday, is Good Friday. We are going to be having a service here. Uh, It's going to be a combined service, both English and German. And at the end of that service, we're going to be having a time of communion. And for some of you, you may be wondering, what exactly is that going to look like? You know, what about my children? What's going to happen is towards the end of that service, we're going to have some singing. We're going to then ask that uh, parents, if you could take your children to the fellowship hall. Lisa is going to have a very special presentation that she's going to be doing with the children. And it's going to be kind of a two-part presentation, starting on Good Friday and then kind of culminating in Easter Sunday. All right? But parents know that you'll have a great program for your children. You can drop your kids off. You can come back. And then we're all just going to very fittingly on Good Friday uh, celebrate communion together. Today we are finishing up what we started last week. Last week we talked about hell, which isn't a very nice topic to talk about, but today we get the joy of talking about heaven. I heard about a couple from Oklahoma, and they decided to go to Florida one very cold winter. Now, they were both in the business world, this husband and this wife, and they were really trying to arrange a time when both of them could get together to go down together, but it just didn't seem to be happening. It turned out that the husband was going to go down on the one day, and his wife was going to be following him down on the next day. And so this man got everything together, he got his bags packed, he hopped on the plane, flew down to Florida, he arrived at the hotel, went in, registered, got the room, went up to the the room, made sure that everything was good, and he had his computer with him, so he thought, I'm just going to write my wife and tell her that everything's ready for her arrival the next day. And so he sat down, he typed out the letter, and he sent it. But the problem was that when he was typing out the email address, he got one letter wrong. Now, in Houston, Texas, there was a widow that was returning from the death of a funeral for the death of her husband. He had been a pastor for many, many years, and when she got back to the house, she went in and turned on the computer, thinking that there's probably going to be a lot of emails from friends and family who are writing their condolences. And she read the first email message, and she just fainted. She hit the floor. And her son came running in to see what had happened, and he looked on the computer screen, and there on the computer screen, the first email address, the first email there said this, To my loving wife, from your departed husband. Subject, I've arrived. Message, I just arrived and have been checked in. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine. P.S. It sure is hot down here. Now we don't have to worry about that, right? Those of us who are in Christ, don't worry about the down there part. All right. 
that we have a glorious hope that God is preparing for each one of us. You know, as Christians, we have a lot to look forward to. I'm happy to speak about heaven today. And you may be wondering, you know, this is Palm Sunday. Where are the palm fronds? Where are the coats laid on the ground and the donkey and all that kind of stuff? But really, Palm Sunday is all about heaven. Easter is all about reminding ourselves again of what Jesus paid for the tremendous gift of salvation that he purchased for us on the cross. And today I want to talk about that gift. I want to talk about just how wonderful heaven is going to be. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 to 16. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 to 16. This is what it says. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. And God has prepared a city for each one of us. He has prepared a place for each one of us. And even though we only see that as through a glass darkly, we only get a small picture from what heaven says. From the small bit we do see, we know and we understand that heaven is going to be absolutely glorious. I can't wait to get to heaven. If Jesus chose to return this afternoon, my bags are packed, I am ready to go. Because I can't wait to get there. Why? Well, let me give you a few reasons why I can't wait to get to heaven. Number one, when you get to heaven, you're going to get a new home. John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. This is one of those times when I like the King James better because it says, In my Father's home there are many mansions. Okay, that kind of shows the, the, the size of the place that we're getting. Let's face it, none of us have a perfect home. You may think that your home is pretty nice, but I think all of us would agree that none of our homes are what we would call perfect. We had a chance when we lived in Niagara-on-the-Lake to build a home from scratch. I mean, we had the home built for us. And when you build a home from scratch, you think it's going to be perfect. All the perfect colors, all the right stuff that you can put into it. But the problem is when you build a home, you always have to you know, cut corners. You always have to be looking at cost. And so the house, while nice, it wasn't perfect. When we lived in Kuwait, we lived in a big house. We lived in a house that had 10 bedrooms and 12 bathrooms. Any of you like that idea? 12 bathrooms, you know? It was a big house. It had three kitchens. It had a living room that would comfortably seat 150 people. And ours was one of the smallest houses on the street. There were other houses that were three, four, five times larger. I mean, we're talking about big, big places. One of the problems that we would have coming home when we would come home on vacation is that we would leave our house in Kuwait and we would come home for maybe a month or a couple months back to Canada. And while we were here, we would stay at my mom's place who lived in a condo in Sarnia, a little 
two-bedroom place, and then we would go to Cornwall to Naomi's parents, and they lived in this little tiny house. And we would have all of us, you know, with one bathroom living in this, this little house. And, you know, and it was uncomfortable. It was cramped. It was, it was really hard. But you know what? It was okay. Because we knew we were only there for a short time. We were only there temporarily. We knew that we had a bigger place that was waiting for us. And I don't know what your house on this earth is like. I don't know if you live in a palace or whether or not you live in a small one-bedroom apartment. But one thing I do know is that your house in heaven is going to be glorious. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful place. I, I heard the story of an elderly couple. And they had a dream where, where, where they were dreaming about heaven. And in this dream, they showed up at the gates and St. Peter met them. And he started showing them around. And first of all, he showed them this big, beautiful house that they were, that they were going to live in. And this guy was looking around this house and he's thinking, wow, this is beautiful. I mean, how much is all of this going to cost me? And the angel said, no, 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 you don't get it. This is heaven. You know, everything is free here. This is yours. And they went down to the kitchen and they walked in and there was this big table with all this food laid out on the table. And he thought to himself, wow, there's a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of good food. How much is all of this going to cost me? And the angel said, no, 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 you're not getting it. This is heaven. It's all free. And they walked out in the backyard and there was this beautiful, immaculate, 18-hole golf course. Just perfect. Green and lush. And the angel spoke up and he said, now before you ask, let me tell you, there are no green fees. This is heaven. Everything's free. And finally, this guy turns to his wife and he says, Confound it, woman! You and your bran muffins! I could have been here ten years ago if it weren't for you! <laughs> we're going to get a new home, number one. Number two, we're going to get a new body. Second Corinthians 5.51 says, Now we know that this earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Is there anyone here that's fed up with this? I'm, I'm not talking about me. I'm getting fed up with me. I'm talking about your bodies, all right? You're, you're fed up with, with your bodies. Uh, the older I get, the more fed up I am. Now, I'm only 47 years old. I got a decade on Pastor Ike, right? I think we should have been celebrating my birthday because we would have made more money, right? Or actually, if we're thinking about it, we should be celebrating Pastor Richard's birthday because then we make a lot of money. Right? No. I, I think the older I get, the more I realize that this body that, that I have is, is just a loner. I mean, it's just temporary. I think our bodies are like cars, you know. I say in my case, it's not the age, it's the mileage. <laughs> but all of us someday have a new body to look forward to. And I think about many people I've met in life, people that can't walk in this life, how they are going to run and jump in the next life. People perhaps in, in this life that we would call challenged in some way, how in the next life, when they have a perfect body, a perfect mind, what they will be like. It's going to be glorious not having to wake up to aches and pains. It's going to be glorious to know that this corruptible thing that we carry around with us with tooth decay and clogged arteries and all this stuff, it's going to be great 
when we can put this off and take up an incorruptible body. Johnny Erickson, who was a quadriplegic as a result of a diving accident for, for more than 30 years, has experienced her fair, shame, her fair share of pain over the years. She once wrote this, Heaven has become my heart's home, the place where I will finally belong, the place where I will get a brand new body. In the world's finale, something so glorious is going to happen that it will atone for every single tear we've ever cried. God is going to give us the key that will make sense of what now seems to be such senseless suffering. Heaven is going to be a place of no more disappointment, no more grief, but joy. Heaven's joy. A new home, a new body. Number three, we'll get new friends. Think of all the people that we're going to have time to spend with in heaven. Naomi and I were at a, a retreat this past week. And it was a pastor's retreat and there were a lot of different couples from all over the place. And, and you know, it was great just sitting around the table with these people and talking, sharing stories of how we came to faith, how we were called into ministry. It was great just kind of hearing from these people we never met before, their stories. And I think heaven's going to be like that. It's going to be great to just sit down and share our stories, share our testimonies, find out, you know, what people went through in life and then just celebrate the fact that we have so much to enjoy together in heaven. Think of all the cool people you can meet in heaven. Who are you looking forward to talking to? I mean, I want to sit down with Moses and say, man, what was that like when you parted the Red Sea? That's got to have been pretty cool. I mean, what was it like, Daniel, when you sat there in the lion's den, staring at those lions all night? I mean, think about hanging out with a seraphim. These things with wings and eyes all over the place. You know, that's, that's going to be pretty cool. You know? Heaven is going to be wonderful because of the people that are going to be there. And not just the new friends. Think about all the old friends. The older you get, the more people go on ahead of you, don't they? Let me ask you a question. Who do you hope is waiting there? when you enter into heaven? Who is it that you want to see first? I mean, all of us want to see Jesus first, right? But who do you hope is there as well? You know, I have a father that's gone on ahead, a lot of grandparents that have gone on ahead, aunts, uncles. The joy of being a Christian means that, you know what? We don't have to say goodbye ever again. When we lived in Kuwait, we would come home for the summer, as I've already said. We'd spend a month, two months. But you know what? The problem with coming home was that we knew from the moment we walked through the front door that in a few weeks' time we'd have to leave again. You'd spend the first week getting reacquainted, just glad to be home. But then the next week you knew time was growing short. And by the next week you were starting to get ready starting to take all that stuff that you had unpacked and put it all back in the bags. And you knew that the joy of returning was going to soon be replaced with the pain of leaving. And that was always kind of hanging over your head. The joy of heaven is the fact that we will never have to say goodbye ever again. Never again. 
No more goodbyes. Because you see, death is all about separation. But life is all about fellowship. It's about being together. There was a guy by the name of Philip Brooks who wrote the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Philip Brooks was a glorious Christian man. At the end of his life, he was laying in bed. He knew that the final days were coming soon. And he had requested that none of his friends come to see him. Oh, many came to the house anyways. They knocked on the door. The housekeeper would say, I'm sorry, you know, he's, he, he, he doesn't want to see anyone. But in his final days, there was a man who came. The guy's name was Robert Ingersoll. Robert Ingersoll was an atheist. He was a man that had spoken against Philip Brooks many times and kind of ridiculed his faith. But when Robert Ingersoll came to the door, the housekeeper said, Oh, Mr. Ingersoll, you've been expected. Please go right upstairs. And Robert Ingersoll was led to the bedside of Philip Brooks. And he sat down. The first thing he said was, Wow, Philip, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm, I'm thankful that, that you agreed to see me. I know that you're, you're not seeing any of your close friends. Why would you agree to see me? Oh, Philip Brooks said, I know I'm going to spend eternity with them in heaven. You I'm not so sure about. (laughs) The joy that we have, the fact that we'll be together forever. You say to your closest friend, man, let's just take a thousand years and go fishing somewhere. New friends, old friends. Number four, new food. Anybody interested in that? Yeah, amen. Now I'm preaching. (laughs) Revelations 19.9, the angel said to me, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Whenever it talks about heaven, we often see that there is food involved, which I really like, (laughs) because I like to eat. I don't like to eat if it's just filling my belly. You know, if it's hot dogs, that's all right. But when I like to eat, I like to eat with a capital E. That means, you know, eat something really nice. Go out for a dinner and have something exotic, something delicious, something that you don't have all the time. I've had an opportunity to travel to a bunch of places and try a lot of really kind of weird food and have grown to really enjoy a lot of variety in terms of food. And I know heaven is going to blow us all away when it comes to that department. I mean, we had a chance years ago to go to Walt Disney World. I remember the first time we went, we were on a very strict budget. You know, we were there, but we didn't have any money, and so we would, like, make the girls peanut butter sandwiches, and we agreed to, you know, during your day in the park, you could order one small bag of French fries. That was your treat for the whole day, okay? Other than that, it was peanut butter sandwiches and water, all right? But then a few years after that, we went back to Walt Disney World. And this time we went on the Disney dining plan. God must have invented it, I tell you, because it was basically free food. That's what Disney dining plan, free food. We weren't paying for it. It was part of the package. And what that meant was basically you could go and you could order anything you wanted. Appetizer, main course, dessert, and even the tip was covered. 
And so we would go to a restaurant, and every time we went to the restaurant, we would simply look and order the most expensive thing. Even if it was something that we hated, we'd still order it because it was the most expensive thing. I mean, the appetizer and the main course and these massive piles of dessert. By the end of that week, we were so completely sick, you know, had to go on a diet for a year to kind of make up for it. But it was great. I mean, because we ate stuff that we would never eat. We just ordered. It was like the sky is the limit. I think heaven's going to be like that. New body, new home, new friends, new food. We get a new world. Anybody here love just going out in the woods, exploring, climbing a mountain, paddling down a creek? You know, one of the things that I'm going to love about heaven is the fact that this world that we live in, no matter how great it is, the most beautiful sunset that you have ever seen, the most glorious forest that you have ever camped in, No matter what you have ever seen in this world, it's been tainted by sin. Scripture says that the earth itself is corrupted. Romans 8.19 The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of him who subjected it. In hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage of decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. That we get a new heaven and a new earth. And it's going to be a glorious place. I think you've heard me say this before, that you know this world was built in six days. And God's been working on our eternal home for 2,000 years. As Keith Green used to say, you know, if, if God built this world in six days and, and this world has been taken more than 2,000 years, we're living in a garbage can compared with what's going up there. As most of you know, they're, they're remaking the C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia into movies right now. And uh, I can't wait for them to get to the end. I want to really see the movie about the last battle. I know that no matter what they do in that movie, it's not going to be nearly as good as my imagination. Because I love the way that C.S. Lewis describes heaven. He describes heaven as an onion, but reversed. You see, in an onion, every layer is smaller than the layer before it. But heaven is going to be the opposite that every layer is going to be larger than the layer before it. So the farther you go into heaven, the larger and the wider and the broader the expanse of heaven will become. So you can take a million, billion, quadrillion years and try to explore heaven, and you will not even have scratched the surface to what God has created. Number six, we get a new work. Some people don't like the idea of heaven. Some people think that heaven is kind of like one of those Philly cheese commercials. You know, you sit around on a cloud playing a harp and eating Philadelphia cream cheese, you know, all day. I don't think it's going to be like that. You know, so often people don't like the idea of heaven because they think it's going to be boring sitting around all day playing a harp. I don't think that heaven's like that at all. In heaven, we're going to have stuff to do. We're going to be able to use the gifts that God has given us in service of him. When I go on vacation, often when I go on vacation, I'm so tired, I just want to get away and rest. But you know what? After a week of resting, it gets old. I know I've heard that people have said this after they retire. They're just looking forward to retirement. But after they retire, after about a month, it's like, okay, I've got to start doing something because I'm going to go crazy. 
You know, I got, I got to do something. I got to use my hands. I got to be active. That's why when I go on vacation, if, if I'm gone for, on vacation for like a, a couple of weeks, I'm going to want to speak in there somewhere and go visit something or do something or, or, you know, and I think heaven, we're going to have the opportunity to do what we love to do, to serve the way that we love to serve God in a way that's fulfilling and in a way that's meaningful for each one of us. We get a new work. Seven, we get a new start. I like this one. Anybody else here just really tired of sin? Romans 7.21 says, So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Oh, what a wretched man am I! Who will rescue me from this body of death? That describes our life in this world. That we are, fall, we are born with a fallen sin nature. That no matter how hard we try, we are always in this life going to be a disappointment. Always. And I don't know about you growing up as a kid. You ever had your parents say something like this to you? I'm disappointed with you. Even if they didn't spank you. You know, I hated hearing those words. You've disappointed me. And mostly, I just hate the fact that every time we sin, every time we do something stupid... We're a disappointment to God. We're a disappointment to our Creator. I look forward to a day when I can stand in heaven. In this life, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we have been declared righteous. That means because of Jesus, our sin has been dealt with. But on that day, when we stand before God in heaven, we will no longer be simply declared righteous. We, on that day, will be righteous. That sin will be done away with once and for all. That we'll never have to say, I'm sorry. We'll never have to say, oh, I confess, I blew it again. We won't have to deal with guilt and all that that entails. We will truly be righteous. There will be no more sin. Number eight, we get a new worship. Let me ask you a question. What is the most meaningful, the most powerful worship time you have ever experienced in your life? Anybody here was at Passion back in January? A couple of you were. How was it? Not bad, eh? Not bad. Way to spend a couple days, you know, with a couple thousand people singing. I remember I once went to a, 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 a missions conference, 20,000 people in this auditorium, and the band was just playing, just one piano playing. It was just the singing. And the singing was so loud, it was like thunder in that auditorium. And I think about that, and I think about what is heaven going to be like with millions of voices. And not only with millions of voices, think about when creation joins in, when supernovas start going off, when the stars themselves, the rocks, the trees, all creation itself begins to lift up its voice in glory to God. What an amazing time of worship that will be. Breathtaking. I've had an opportunity to, to worship in a lot of different kinds of churches in a lot of different countries with different ethnic people groups. I know that there are people in this room that have basically not really 
been to a lot of different churches in your life. You've pretty much, you know, EMMC or, or Old Colony is kind of how you grew up and it's kind of what you've experienced to. You haven't sat on a mountaintop with a, with a hundred Koreans, you know, for an overnight prayer session. Or you haven't joined in with a, with a group of Africans for three hours just singing and dancing, you know. It's just amazing times. But you know what? One of the things I saw in heaven was that worship is so much more than we ever expect that it will be. That one of the joys of heaven is going to be what surprises us. And that's going to be when we join together with people and we learn new ways to worship God. It was always fun and quaint to stand at the front, you know, and watch people worshiping. You'd have the Brits that were sitting there kind of with crossed hands and just kind of leaning there and their mouths barely moving. And then you'd have right next to them Nigerians, you know, praising the Lord and just doing the dance. And, and then you would have the Filipinos kind of going crazy in the corner and you'd have another people group over here kind of doing their thing. And it was fun to just see all these different styles of, of worship taking place in the same place at the same time. And I think heaven's going to be like that. You know what? I'm glad that all of us, when we get to heaven, are going to be surprised. We're going to go, whoa, didn't know it was going to be like this. I'm glad. I'm glad. It's going to be like Zinkston on steroids. <laughs> See, I'm trying to use one low German word in every message. That way that, you know, after I've been here 10 years, I'll be able to preach in low German, right? If I do one a week. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways. Revelations describes... The scene, the, 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 the four living creatures and the 24 elders surrounding the throne of God. And every time they walk around the throne of God, they cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I remember the first time I read that, I thought to myself, Man, that's got to be boring. They've got to write some new lyrics to that song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Again and again and again. But then I suddenly realized something. The reason they say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty is because every time they circle the throne, they find something else to worship about God. They see another glorious truth, another glorious attribute. They see another character, quality, something in the presence of God. We will have all eternity to truly worship God in all of His attributes. And it will take all eternity for us to do that. As our understanding of what perfect holiness really means. The last point. Why am I looking forward to getting to heaven? Is that we get to see God. I mean, I felt the presence of God in worship before. I felt the presence of God in a powerful way. But what would it be like right now if Jesus Christ himself came and stood on this stage? Let me ask you, what would you do? If Jesus himself right now came and he stood here on this stage, what would be the first thing that you would say to him? What would be the first thought that comes in your head? We're going to sing that song in a minute to close. That's a good start. You know, could you say anything? I'm looking forward to meeting Jesus. I know he waits for me at the finish line. 
with those words, well done, good and faithful servant. See, the problem is sometimes in a race you forget the finish line. Sometimes in a race you lose sight of the destination. Maybe you're here today and you've lost sight of the destination. You've forgotten the finish line. You've forgotten the glory, the joy that God has set before each one of us. Say, I just want to encourage you. Remember again the greatness of the gift. Remember again the glory of the salvation that God has given each one of us. Warren Wearsby once said this, For the Christian, heaven isn't simply a destination. It's a motivation. And that's true. As we approach Easter in the coming week, let the thought of heaven motivate you forward. You know, everything that we've said today has simply scratched the surface. I encourage you, if you want to learn more about heaven, just biblically what the Bible says, two books. Randy Alcorn's book on heaven, and he even wrote a book for kids on heaven. I have found that these books, this book especially, is probably the best book on heaven that I've ever read. I know it's available in the library. If you want to, the first part of it is kind of theological. If you like that kind of thing, the second half of it simply asks questions. You know, will there be animals in heaven? What will it be like? What will it look like? What will our bodies be like? This, this, this. All kinds of stuff that I didn't have time to talk about today. But can I say that even after reading this book, even after we've spoken today, the greatest thing that we can possibly imagine is nothing compared to the reality. C.H. Spurgeon said it this way, When a mortal man speaks anything of the eternal blessedness of the saints in glory, he is like a blind man discoursing about the light which he has never seen, and so cannot distinctly speak anything concerning it. In a way, it's like a man writing a travel guide for a land he has never visited or seen. It is to attempt to describe the indescribable with words which cannot come close to expressing the glory of heaven. And I feel that way this morning. I am like a travel guide writing a book about a country I have never been in. We see through a glass darkly. We see that promise, that heavenly land that is before us. And we don't know exactly what it's going to be like. One thing we do know, it's going to be a whole lot better than we expect. And no matter what we've talked about today, the reality will be even better than the thought. And so I encourage you this week, I encourage you this week, take some time to remember what it was Jesus went to the cross for. He paid a great debt for that gift of life that He offers to each one of us. I think when we understand the greatness of the gift, we will come to more love, the giver of the gift. Henry Morrison was a missionary. He and his wife served in Africa for 40 years. For 40 years they had slaved away. They had dealt with bad health. They had dealt with hardship. And after 40 years serving overseas, and this was back in the day when they didn't have email, back in the day when they didn't even have phones that they could just pick up and call friends at home. No, this was back when you left for somewhere, you were gone. After 40 years, they finally returned back to America. On the boat on the way home, they wondered, is everyone even going to remember us? 
Will anyone be there to greet us on the quayside when we arrive? Well, they were surprised that as a ship pulled into New York Harbor, they looked out and there was this huge banner, Welcome Home. And there was a band that was playing on the quayside. And there were thousands of people that lined up saying, yelling, Welcome Home! Welcome Home! And they were so excited. They ran down to their room put on some makeup, got dressed up in their nicest clothes, they picked up their bags, and they went back up onto the deck ready to be greeted by all these people that had come to welcome them home, but they were all gone. You see, they didn't understand that Teddy Roosevelt, who was then the president of the U.S., was on a trip to Africa hunting big game, and it was his arrival that everyone was anticipating. And the banners and the band and the people had all come to watch him get off the ship. And so this elderly couple left the boat. No one was there to greet them. Not a single person. They rented a cheap motel room. And that night, Henry Morrison hung his head down on his bed and he said, it's not fair. It's not fair. I don't get it, he said to his wife. Forty years we poured our lives into that ministry. Forty years we went through hardship. Forty years! And not a single person to welcome us home. And his wife was very smart. She simply was quiet. Let him get it out. And then she very gently patted him on the shoulder and she said, Henry dear, remember, we're not home yet. Someday, someday, no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what you've been through in this past week or what you will face in the coming week, someday, for those who are in Christ, there is a glorious, a glorious inheritance that is ours. It is reserved, it is kept for us in heaven. I pray that in this coming week, the thought of that inheritance will encourage your heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for that glorious hope that we have. Lord, today is Palm Sunday, and we remember that day that Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on the donkey as they threw the the palm fronds, as they threw their cloaks down before him, as they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, as they welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem. But Father, very few truly understood why He had come. That a week later, as Jesus hung on the cross, as He allowed Himself to be tortured, as He allowed Himself to die, He was purchasing for us something that words cannot express. A gift so precious that we will have all eternity to truly understand how wonderful it truly is. He was purchasing for us life. Purchasing for us fellowship with Him forever in heaven. And Lord, as we have tried to scratch the surface today of how wonderful an inheritance we truly have, Father, we recognize that words come so far short. So Father, we simply look to the day. From afar, Lord, we look to that country that awaits us. And we fix our hope and we fix our joy. And we are at peace, Lord. 
knowing that you have spoken and you are faithful. Thank you, Father, for this. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.